You know, you know, countries with four seasons, um, they they have different things that they have to do for uh, different seasons and different time. Farmers would sow their seed in spring. The farmers will sow their seed in spring and then all the way until the late autumn and beginning of the winter where there's no more rain, the farmers will start harvesting. So you have a sowing season and then you have a harvesting season. And after you harvest, then you have to give the land a time to rest. So throughout winter, the land will rest. There'll be no planting on the ground. And the farmers will use that opportunity because there's nothing to be done to sharpen their tools and prepare the seeds for the new season. And then when spring comes, the farmer will sow again. There is a season for everything. You sow at the right time, you will harvest when the time has come. There's a time where you have to prepare your tools. There is a time also you have to give the land rest so that the land will not have to work all the time. But in a country like ours, uh, what seasons do we have? We have rain or more rain? Or rain or no rain? And, and, and so uh, in, a tropical country, in a tropical country, we are not so used to various seasons. We don't have to have a closet to keep our winter clothes because our clothes are all year round. You can wear a t-shirt every day of your life. You can wear jeans every day of your life. You, you, you don't have all that, right? And, and so what season do we have in a country like Malaysia? Well, we have festive seasons. Okay? We have Christmas season. We have Chinese New Year season. Some of you, you are still in your Chinese New Year mood. I want you to know, come back. Chinese New Year is over, okay? We, as students, we have exam seasons. Exam seasons is where you really got to study and do revision and prepare for exam. Uh, if you're an accountant, you have closing season. Very busy, all right? Or if you're in retail, you got to do sales season. Now, what are seasons? We, we hear people talk about this so much. Seasons, even in the manner of how we are living in a tropical nation with shopping season and holiday season, exam season, they serve as very important markers. Everybody, I want you to understand this. It serves as a very important markers so that you are informed what you are supposed to do and how you are supposed to respond to those seasons. Are you with me? So, so if it's exam seasons, you, you cannot be planning holiday trips. So you don't understand the markers. So you will respond wrongly. I'm not sure how many of you, you remember the pandemic days when all of us were locked down. There were short markers called weekends. That Sundays you come to church and I dread pandemic when there was no weekend. Because Monday to Sunday, Sunday back to Monday, Monday back to Sunday again, it's all the same. We're all at home. You don't get to change to go to church. Even though, you know, sometimes it's very difficult to wake up in the morning and, and you don't get a marker whereby it tells you, hey, it is time to stop working. 
Weekend is here. Spend time with your family. Do your socials. Hang out with your friends. You know, go and go to the park. Go and play sports or whatever it may be. And then Sunday, go to church. Monday, we get back into the rhythm. But during the pandemic season, every day was the same. If every week is the same, every month is the same, then the whole year would be the same. Seasons are very important markers in our lives. As Christians, as believers, this morning, I want to introduce to you a season that perhaps as a church, we have not talked about that. Uh, I don't know, maybe we have never actually talked about that even once. I want to introduce you to this season called Lent. L-E-N-T. Everybody say Lent. Now, what is Lent? And when does it start? Lent is basically a 40-day period that commemorates with Jesus' 40 days of prayer and fasting in the desert. While He was in the desert, He was being tempted by the devil. And there were temptations that was hurled at Him. But the 40 days ended with Jesus victoriously defeated all this temptation and came out victorious. So there is this 40-day period in the church calendar whereby all of us uh, take this time to reflect upon the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the sacrifices of Jesus, and ultimately the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So this 40-day period, it's a period of reflection, a period of focus on the life of Christ. Okay, so when does it start? It starts this Wednesday. Okay, put down on your calendar. It starts this Wednesday on February 22nd. It's called <clears throat> Ash Wednesday. I know there's a lot of all these words that uh, you never heard before. Um, so starting this Wednesday, every Wednesday for the next seven Wednesdays leading up to the Holy Week of Easter, uh, we will put a video in our social media where we will share with you a short thought, um, a short video to help you get into the mode, to reflect. And every Wednesday for the next seven days, uh, seven weeks, sorry, uh, it is a time where we will fast together as a church. And I'll explain to you as, uh, as we get into that season, because you'll probably be asking, why do I need to fast? What is Christian fasting? And why is it important? And why is Lent important as a season in a Christian calendar? Was it in the Bible? Well, no. But we are doing it to remember, to reflect on the life of Jesus Christ, to reflect on the ministry of what Christ has done for us. So every Wednesday for the next seven weeks, there'll be a video caption that you can watch and then you can use that to take the time to pray and to reflect together with us. It is also a time where we fast together. So Lent, for the next 40 days starting on Wednesday, calls for us believers to focus on the life of Jesus. To look at the scripture, look at the gospel and see how Jesus lived his life. It calls on looking and 
reflecting on the ministries, the work that Jesus Christ did and His sacrifices for us and ultimately the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we take this period to study, to meditate, to focus and to reflect. How did Jesus live? This morning, I want to take this time to show us the rhythm of how Jesus lived His life. Seasons are very important. When it's exam seasons and you're not studying, you're not going to get the results that you are supposed to get. Are you with me? And if it's the seasons where everyone is working hard and you're not working, then you're not going to get the results that you want to see at the end of the day. Alright? So, I want you to come with me to the Bible in Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, and see how Jesus lived. Alright? How Jesus lived. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it is still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. So one of the very important rhythms in Jesus' life was that he would get up very early in the morning and go to a place where he could be alone and to pray before the sun goes up. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, uh, you realize that weather is a big thing for me. I love finding out uh, what is the temperature in the morning when I wake up. For some reason, it amuses me. It, it, it gets me really excited. Uh, this week happened to be, actually this morning happened to be the coldest morning I've ever seen in my life in KL. But I didn't feel that cold, right? But that's another thing. So it went down to 20 degrees this morning, according to my phone. And, and I want to use my morning that before I do anything else, that I will get up and I will pray. Do you know what time sun rises in K or not? Well, if you are a student and you wake up at 10.30 in the morning, you will think that sun rises at 10.30 in the morning because that's when the sun gets too hot. You cannot sleep anymore. Sun rises about 7.15, maybe 7.20 in the morning. So why am I telling you all that? It's because the Bible says very early in the morning while it is still dark. That means before the break of dawn, Jesus woke up to pray. In the Lent season, we look at the life of Jesus and in the Lent season, we reflect on the life of Christ that He would wake up and pray. And so this is a season where I want you to learn that you got to learn to wake up while it is still dark to pray. Everyone say with me, say to pray. pray. To pray. And I want you to know because if you don't get up while it is still dark to pray, you will have a lot of people looking for you. You will have messages that you want to read. WhatsApp that keep looking for you because to Jesus, His WhatsApp messages were from Simon and his companions because they went to look for Him and when they found Him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. So the best time to pray 
It's before everyone is looking for you. Set aside time. And you need to do that because, because it is important and it is healthy for your soul. How did Jesus live? Go with me to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain and His disciples and a large crowd went along with Him. As He approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of His mother and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, His heart went out to her and He said, don't cry. The other area, the other dimension of Jesus' life was when Jesus saw that the boy was dead and his mother was a widow, in another translation, the Bible tells us that his compassion welled up within him. Jesus lived a compassionate life. So traditionally in the Lent season, it's a season to pray, it's a season to fast, it is a season to have compassion. And it is important, you wonder, oh, pastor, does that mean if it's not Lent, we don't pray? When it is not Lent, we don't fast? But it is important to know that this is the time where we do it together. Jesus lived a life of prayer. And if I'm a follower of Jesus, I want to learn to live a life of prayer. A life that is close to God. And some of you might wonder, why is a life close to God so important? Because I want to be able to live a life that pleases God and a life where when I have to make difficult decisions, I have God to be my guide. Always carrying a heart that is compassionate, a heart that cares for others. And Jesus went around healing the sick and caring for the poor. And so when you take this season to read the Gospels and look at the life of Jesus, you reflect on your life and you ask the question, how have I lived? That's what Lent does for us. How have I lived? Am I trying to live the life that Jesus gave me as an example? So we take time to look within us. Are we just doing and pursuing the things of this world, that after a while, Jesus is not in the equation anymore. Jesus is like at the back burner, an afterthought. So Jesus becomes my safety net. That when all else fails and I don't know what else to do, I look for Jesus. Or Jesus is at the forefront. We sing songs in church like, the cross before me, the world behind me. But do we really live our lives and look at the life of Jesus to inform us how we should live? Do we know what we are doing? Are you stressed out? Are you finding yourself chasing after too many things? And you have lost the joy of life. You've lost the meaning, the purpose of what you have set out to do. And I'm not just talking about people who do not know God. I'm talking about Christians, that sometimes we just keep trying and just keep working and just keep going to a point that it becomes meaningless. 
because we are merely chasing after fleeting pleasures that will disappear very, very soon. You know, the world never ever before had been so concerned about mental health, the condition of our being. And it tells, it teaches us to be more self-aware. It teaches us to be more mindful that you know. And, and it's actually very interesting that in the Bible, when it talks about the health of our being, it talks about the harmony of all that, that is within us. That your mind, that your body, that your soul, they are all working in sync because you know that God in His plan wants you to be well and to be well in totality. And so we have come to a place in our world today that people want to know. People want to know, how do I maintain my mental health? And it calls for the reflection of looking within us. How do I make space to look within myself? How do I make space to reflect? And what do I reflect about? Some of us, we reflect five minutes, we fall back asleep because we don't know. But in the Bible, it teaches us to learn to meditate on the Word of God, to learn to take time out from just doing and start thinking, start praying, start meditating. How are you doing today? Every one of you, how are you doing today? Are you really well? Or, yeah, my standard answer is, I'm okay, normal. How are you doing on the inside? Is your soul well? Are we constantly agitated? Are we constantly upset with things that are not going our way? If you find yourself very angry over very little things, then perhaps it is a sign that we have to take one step back. Because when we reflect, what we're doing, we're actually recalibrating our soul within us. To honestly ask ourselves, why am I doing what am I doing? Am I doing something so that others look at me and I look good? Is that what it is all about? Do we make space or not for ourselves to care for the well-being of our soul? I, I, I'm blessed in many ways because there was one time we were introduced, Esther and I, and I shared this so many times. We were introduced to a silent retreat where we were given the space to not do anything, but to just spend time with God, reading the Word of God and praying. And it has done so much wonder for the health that is on the inside of me because before that, I want you to know, I don't have to be working outside. Even in church, we're chasing one thing after another, one event after another. Like then it's Easter, and then it is Mother's Day, and then it is Father's Day, and then it is Christmas. And then in between, you have this, you have that, you have to plan this, you have to plan it. Pastor, we need this from you, we need that from you. And after a while, you come to a place, it is just expected of me, so I just churn out stuff. 
And then, when was the last time I really have time to pray? I don't. Because by the time we finish Christmas or before even Christmas, I have to roll out what is the plan for the next year. What are the, what's the church going to do? Like, what do you want them to do? What is it saying? And if I don't have those space in my life where I can just retreat in order that I can progress, retreat in order that I can have my time with God and allow God to speak into my life, I'd be probably long gone, not able to do this anymore. Are you with me? To, to sit down and have to write messages and training materials for leaders and so many other things. If that is true for someone that is working in church, it is so much more for all of us who are working in the workplace where the demand on you is crazy. You have to fulfill this for your boss. You have to finish this. You have to get this done. I need the report churn out. I need you to tell me what is the, the, the target, the goals that we've set and have you done it? Have you achieved it? But if you do not, in the midst of all that, create space for your soul to be connected with God in prayer, in worship, and Lent just offers this opportunity for us to reflect on the life of Christ, you are going to very soon lose the purpose of doing what you are doing. Because think about it, at the end of the day, is it just money? Is it just about paying bills? And if I don't have that capacity to allow God to speak into my life, then things will start collapsing. So if your soul is healthy today, that's wonderful. If you're at peace, you know what you're doing, that's great. But what if you are not? What should you do? What is reflection? What is mindfulness? What is self-awareness? Is it you keep rehearsing? Or what is confession to Christian? I'm a Christian. Is it I'm useless? I'm not good enough. I always sin. I cannot do anything. I'm good for nothing. I'm worthless. I'm selfish. So we just keep beating ourselves up. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. That somehow, does that make us feel better? That we keep saying that we are not good? Is that what confession as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, is that what it is all about? I want you to know the answer is no. The Christian faith is not a self-beating faith. Are you with me? The Christian faith is not, oh, I'm nothing, I'm useless, I'm hopeless. No. Reflection should lead us to a place of self-awareness. Are you with me? Reflection should lead us to a place of awareness, of recognizing our own shortcomings, of recognizing what are some of the things that we should not do. And being remorseful, we are sorry for the things that's done. But I want us to know this morning, and this is very important, is that it should not end there. Are you with me? It should not end at the place, oh, I'm so self-aware now. I am, I am so 
mindful. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not good. It should not end there. Our reflection ought to lead us to a place of repentance. Our reflection ought to lead us to a place of repentance. And what is repentance? You see, when we are remorseful, when we are humble enough to say that I'm not good, I cannot do this, I struggle, I'm in pain, this thing's too difficult for me, I feel hopeless. While it is good that you recognize that, reflection should not end there. I walk around telling everybody, I'm no good one. I'm good for nothing. I'm worthless. I don't, I don't deserve anything. It should not end there, but it should lead us to a place of repentance. Why and how is it different? How is it different? Repentance lead us, leads us to the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. While you are aware of who you are, it leads to you recognizing who you are, which is great, but repentance go beyond that. It now takes away that focus of self to the focus of the cross of Jesus Christ. Repentance is about the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It changed us. When you are broken, sometimes it can be, you know what, Jean? I'm like this because they did this to me. Therefore, I'm broken. I, I'm not good enough because nobody ever praised me. I can't do this because nobody trusts me. Yes, you are broken. But repentance is, I'm sorry, Lord, for acting in this manner or behaving in this manner or responding in this way. Create in me a clean heart. Repentance is very powerful. But repentance is very difficult. To say, I'm sorry because I am wrong. Repentance is very powerful yet cannot be done because the pride on the inside of us, if you don't do this to me, I will never have to respond like this. That is being broken. And you have to understand and recognize that's being broken. But we don't want you to stay broken. Jesus, when you reflect on the cross of Jesus Christ, He doesn't want you to remain broken. He wants you to be made whole. Jesus said that I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. In the Gospel of John chapter 10, verse 10, that's what Jesus said. Brokenness cannot be the goal of our lives. But the cross of Jesus Christ, the hope of our salvation. To repent is very powerful, but yet it's very difficult. To stop putting a blame on other people, to stop putting a blame on the situation you're in and say, I cannot do it. Neither can people help me unless I look to the cross of Jesus Christ. But sometimes, it is scary because it is so 
easy to wake up early in the morning while it is still dark, hide yourself in a corner somewhere to say, sorry, Jesus, sorry, God. This is what I've done wrong. I failed in my words. I failed in my action. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. No one's watching. No one is looking. I'm not broadcasting it to the whole world. Yet, it is surprisingly difficult to even admit it's not your fault. It's me. It is the sin on the inside of me that is causing me to be like that. But the promise of the cross is this. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, are you guys with me this morning? Chapter 7 and verse 9. Yet now, I'm happy, Paul says, not because you were made sorry. Today, you're not here to be made sorry by me for sharing all these scriptures with you and make you feel so lousy about yourself. But because your sorrow led you to repentance, your reflection had led you to repentance, you're looking at the life of Jesus. For you become sorrowful as God intended and will not harm in any way by us. Verse 10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. What is worldly sorrow? And just being remorseful. I don't want us to be remorseful. I don't want us to come short at the part that says, I'm not good enough. I'm broken, you know. I'm not whole. I'm so defeated. That's not where we should end. We should end where that godly sorrow leads us to repentance. What's the promise? 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When I was very young as a new believer, this was one of the memory verses I have to memorize. If we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, I want you to know there is no promise greater than this. There's no promise more beautiful than this. Confession is a place where I turn around and turn back to God. Repentance is not audible, but visible. Repentance is not, I broadcast, I'm broken. Jamie, I'm lousy. That's not repentance. Are you with me? I'm very broken already. You cannot see. That's not Repentance. Repentance is visible. Visible because of the work of Jesus in our lives and begin to change us. Between, begin to soften our hearts and humbling us. Are you with me? It is not loud. Neither does it have to be broadcasted. Tell the whole world, I'm a changed person now because I'm Jesus. I'm not like, 
It's not like that. It is seen and witnessed by others. When people see you, wow, John is changed. Something must have happened to him. Linda is not the same person anymore. Perhaps God is at work in their lives. And it points others to Jesus, not to us. When the soul is healthy, we always seek to give. But when the soul is not healthy, we always seek to get. Get attention. Give me more. I need this. I need that. I want to end this morning by saying to us, the knowledge of knowing that your sins can be forgiven is truly the most beautiful promise that God has ever made possible and given to us. To make peace with God. To realize and recognize that I don't have to do anything except I receive God and I receive Jesus Christ into my life. To repent and to come back to God. To repent and to say sorry to God and to focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. And to know that there is a Father in heaven who loves us and loves me with an everlasting love. The love that cannot be taken away. That is the essence of Christian faith. This Lent season is a season to reflect on our human frailty of our weaknesses, of how we constantly fall short and that we are, we can't do so many things. On the outside, we may look good, but on the inside, there's a turmoil on the inside of us. But this Lent reflection is not supposed to just dwelling in all our human weaknesses and shortcomings. We should look at our frailty and then behold the cross of Jesus Christ. That is a Lent reflection. It is not just beating ourselves up and saying we're not good enough. But to look at the finished work of the cross, at what it means to have Jesus Christ die on the cross to forgive us of our sin. I want to end today. You know, the other day I was scrolling through some of my old photos on the phone and uh, scroll, 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 scroll. Suddenly one photo appeared of me, Abel and Pastor Keith in an island. And uh, straight away, I sent it to Pastor Keith and said, hey, remember this photo or not? I can't remember it was before or after, but it was that trip that we almost killed Pastor Keith in the ocean because the boat that he was kayaking, tabalik, like, what it capsized. Not because they were not doing it right, but we were trying to jump on his kayak. And when all of us were in the ocean and all trying to fix the boat, and Pastor Keith was holding on to dear life with his life jacket and paddle. Also, we asked him to hold all the paddles. That's why he's swimming every day now. He's scared of us. And we realized that 
unless someone is on the boat, we could not lift him up. If all of us are in the ocean, I cannot bring him up to the boat. And if all of us are falling short, all of us have sin in our lives. We cannot help each other. We need someone on the boat. And that someone on the boat is none other than Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question today. Do you know if your sins have been forgiven? Do you have Jesus in your life? And that's critical. I want us to prepare our hearts to enter into Lent on Wednesday. I want the whole church to pray and to worship God together, just ignore everything. But before I do that, if there's any one of you who do not know Jesus, you have never invited Jesus into your heart, and you have never opened up your heart and said, I guess at the end of the day, I can't help myself. To humble ourselves and say, I cannot fix this. I need God. I need Jesus. So while all eyes closed and all heads bow, if you do not know that your sins are forgiven today, if you do not know Jesus, and there's that tug of war on the inside of you, should I give my heart to Jesus? I don't know everything about God. My mind is telling me something else, but my heart is tugging. And you're trying to find a word to explain what you are going through right now. You're trying to find that emotion to be expressed. You're sitting there this whole morning listening to me. You know, we talk about self-awareness. We talk about reflection. We talk about mindfulness. But that's not the end of it. It should lead us and take us to a place of repentance that leads us to salvation and having this new life in God. A promise that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all un unrighteousness. That it is not my part to clean my life right now. My part to play is to surrender to God and say, I need Jesus. And God would cleanse us. Some of you totally didn't expect this when you come to church this morning. And I want you to know it leads to a place of peace, a place of fullness in Christ. When we have Christ in our lives. And so while all eyes closed and all heads bow, you have never invited Jesus into your life. I want to give you a chance to respond to God and give your heart to Jesus before we worship. Think about it. What is there to lose? There is a God who tells you that He loves you with an everlasting love. There's a God who tells you that He is your Father. What do you 
have to lose but everything to gain in this newfound relationship with Jesus Christ. 